my next step was getting a position somewhere because I always growing up was told like you work for somebody. If I had in my mindset that entrepreneurship was an option, then I probably would have done it sooner. Hey, what's up everybody? I'm Derek, founder and CEO of Bunches and your host here at Start Something. Let's go. Good to see you. Great to be here. Yeah. So we're going to jump right in a habit that we do, you know, here at Start Something is I like to ask these hack questions to get to know you a little bit. And so when I'm asking these questions, they're kind of fun. They're kind of silly. They're like BuzzFeedy type questions. They are meant to get to the heart of who you are. So I'm not asking your favorites. You can think about it, but sometimes the first thing that comes to your head is the right answer. There are no wrong answers. And so don't, don't feel intimidated by that. So we'll just jump right in. If you were a global city, so if you were to become a city, what city would you be? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I say global oh, okay. city, it doesn't have to be like... Do a, I have to pick an actual city? Are you a, like a place and not a city? Well, no. I mean, like, do you pick an actual city that exists? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, do you think you're a mythical city? Maybe I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine. That's a good I answer. I mean, because I, okay, if I had to pick a city that exists, okay. I would have to say, I can't help it. I mean, I'm based in the U.S. I would sure. have to say New York. Yeah, okay. But I would think, I mean, but we say global, right? Sure. And I, if I say one city... It just makes it seem like it's so local. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's fair. So I would have to be this mythical, decentralized city. Oh, cool. <laughs> right? Wow. That everyone can have access to. Yeah. Maybe through the metaverse. Yeah. How do you get from spot to spot? Just virtually? So telepathically. Okay. Get there. You yeah. just like transfer your mind. You can just close your eyes and you're like there. Yeah. Right? What's the name of the city? You got to name it. Oh, wow. It is... I don't know. <laughs> you got to name it's, it. It's it's called Impact Impetus. Okay. <laughs> right? And it's basically you go to the city and you're inspired and you're kind of can help you to see like your vision in life. Yep. And it just help it whatever whatever your vision is that comes to life in this mythical city, right? That's cool. And that's why it's called Impact Impetus because yep. It helps you to make an impact, to visualize the impact that you're going to have on the world. That's take cool. Take that next step. Yeah. There. <laughs> All right. So if you were a city, you'd be impact impetus. <laughs> Don't Google Maps that, everyone. It currently only exists in Camila's mind. Yeah. If you were a fruit, what fruit would you be? Oh, I would be a fruit that is in the Amazon rainforest. Okay. And it hasn't been discovered yet. Wow. Right. All right. It's not a fruit that anyone's familiar with. Yeah. Even scientists. Yeah. Nobody. You know, we eat the same fruits all the time. Like yeah. I'm the one that you have not discovered yet. Yeah. There has to be <laughs> quite a few. There's. I'm sure there's a yeah. few. And maybe it looks like something totally different, and you didn't never knew it was a fruit, but it's a fruit. Yeah. What are some of the characteristics? Like, is it more tart, more sweet? Does it have um, maybe medicinal properties? Like. It's definitely balanced. It's okay. not too sweet. It's not tart, but it's just like kind of like, oh, you know, but it's this, it's like a really shocking flavor that okay. you you look at it, you wouldn't, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, but you bite into it and you're like, oh, wow, like, yeah. this is really good. And it's not too sweet. And it's, not, you you ever had like a drink like that or something? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's, like, it's not too sweet. It's not too dry. It's just. 
well, just right. <laughs> it, does it? Does it? Is it like flamboyant as a like a dragon fruit? It's like bright pink, weird looking on the outside, etc. Or is it more like unassuming as a from it's the outside looking? Yeah, yeah. I That's can, why it's not discovered yet. That's true. Yeah. yeah, if it was like bright and flashy, people, people would be like, see "What it. is yeah. this?" I, and I, I'm certainly not like saying that this is is your fruit, but when you're describing it, I think of a kiwi. Like a kiwi is just like this brown looking brown, thing. Yeah. But then you crack into it, and it's like green. It's, and, yeah, it's yeah. colorful, and then you bite it, and it's like, oh, that's an interesting flavor. Like it's yeah. kind of okay. tart, kind of kind of sweet. That's cool. If you were a beverage, so alcoholic caffeinated, water of any kind. If you were a beverage, what beverage would you be? Wow. I would have to say alkaline water. <laughs> alkaline water. <laughs> Definitely. I have to pick something that's healthy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> this is where I remind you, I'm not asking your favorites. I'm asking who you are as a person. If you were a genre of music, what genre of music would you be? Um, I would say... I would say Afrobeats. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. A beat, global in nature. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very exactly. cool. And last, but certainly not least, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? I don't want to say the obvious. What's the obvious? My, because you said not your favorite, so I'm not okay. going to say a tiger. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to say my sign, which is yeah. like a lion. So maybe I would say a Black Panther. Okay. Very cool. Not that it has anything to do with the movie. Yeah. It's a great movie. It, I mean, it is a great movie. <laughs> it's an awesome movie, but not just that. Like, I really yeah. actually, like, love animals. So. Yeah. Um, oh, we'll get to but, that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> so I think it's just because that mystery. Yeah. Like, you don't see it all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, like, kind of this mysterious, but yet strong. Very. And, and when it acts, it even acts in mystery. You know what right. I mean? Like it's stalking yeah. in, the, in the jungle. <laughs> not stalking. Not, yeah. I wouldn't be stalking. I'm not no, saying I'm, you're I'm a just, stalker. I just, <laughs> <laughs> just want to clarify that. <laughs> That's cool. So would you say, just to confirm here, that you are a New York slash impact impetus, undiscovered fruit, alkaline water, Afrobeats, Black Panther, kind of person. Oh, absolutely. Nailed it. You Very cool. Perfectly described me. That's awesome. And so, you know, more traditional introduction. What are you what are you doing these days? You know, what's your what's your role? Where where are you working? What's your side project, if any? Oh wow. Okay. Tons of side projects, right? <laughs> no, so I'm founder of Greater Than Equal. Yep. It's basically an organization that helps creative social impact founders maximize their impact. Yeah. So creative in the sense of fashion, art, and equity, and maximize their impact. My background is marketing. Very cool. 20 plus years. So it's yeah. really a focus on marketing strategy and Web3 events that yeah. help you to connect with your community and maximize your impact. Yeah, very cool. And we're definitely going to dive into that. It's a fascinating story. But before we dive into that, I want to dive into you know kind of this fun thing that we do, social deep dive. So the first thing that caught me is it seems that no need to be embarrassed yet. The first thing that struck me was you're a pretty early adopter of a lot of tech, like not just, you know, the Web3 stuff. You were on Twitter in 2009. You adopted, yeah, you adopted Clubhouse very quickly. You know, Web3, how do you stay in touch? Like, how are you hearing about all of it? How do you stay in touch with like the latest and greatest in, in tech? Whether you recognize it or not, you are definitely an early adopter. 
Okay. I think you just kind of keep your ears open. You have to have like an interest in it, right? Because I think I like from the beginning have always had an interest in technology and what's new and the way that I think is very like visionary. Like I want to know what's next. I want to know how to improve what I'm currently doing. So it's really about keeping your ears open. And then when you get involved with something, I always think of the potential, right? Like, Oh, yeah. So, so you mentioned Clubhouse, and I'm like, wow, this is... So I'm not just thinking about the conversations that I'm having, having, but also, like, how are we using it to connect with people globally sure. and give them a able ability to have a conversation they, they haven't had before? Right. So what is this going to mean? And I always think of, like, systems change, like shifting oh, yeah, global yeah. systems, and so... What is this going to mean for the future? And it may not be Clubhouse. It might be that next iteration of the technology. Right. But what does this mean for the future? And even, like, we talk about, like, cryptocurrency, digital currency. Well, I used to work in financial services. Sure. And it makes sense. We we don't even use physical money, right? right. And yeah. everyone's used to doing their phone on the register. Yeah. So you just see, like, the evolution of this. And you're like, what is, what is this going to mean for the future? And you always think of... That. So it's like, you know, why not be a part of this and like learn and get deeper into what's happening? Like, I want to be in the know. I want to yeah. be in the next thing. And I think it's fascinating that, you know, you're thinking about it in terms of people impact, yeah. right? Not how can I get rich off of this or whatever. <laughs> like you're thinking about it as like, how can this technology enable people? And one of the other things that struck me doing a deep dive on your socials was how much volunteer experience you have, which kind of dovetails with how you're looking at at technology, yeah. right? What, what have been some of your favorite kind of volunteer opportunities? Oh, I love Habitat for Humanity. Sure. <laughs> that's just because, I mean, that's a place everyone knows, right? And yeah. you usually have an opportunity to volunteer there. But I think I love I like like being outside. I love like interacting with different people, whether it's from your own company or the neighborhood that you're building the house with. Yeah. And then, you know, you know you're doing something good, but then I also like the heavy labor and it's like something totally different than you would do like I don't build houses. Sure. I mean except with habitat for humanity. <laughs> but it's something that you can kind of like just hone in or do something that you just normally would not be doing yeah yeah and something I, yeah something i noticed through some of your experiences and even past tweets to bring back memories here is your love for animals you kind of alluded to it already you know i also love zoos aquariums i'm a member at a, at a couple actually and yes. what got you excited about that did you like grow up with animals did was there like an event that kind of spurred your your love I have no idea, actually, because I always used to watch like the documentaries and whatever the animal channel. I think it was probably before Animal Planet. I used to always watch animal shows. I just used to be so fascinated by animals and their behavior. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like a. A thing that you don't see every day. And so I've always just really been into it. And I actually believe because I was I think I saw something where my grandfather, I think, watched animal shows. And maybe that's where I got it from. But but yeah, I've always kind of been fascinated and just loved animals. That's awesome. Do you think it's impacted your professional journey at all? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. I've always been into like sustainability and like saving animals. Okay. Oh, so sure. I'll tell you a yeah. Story. No, so, please. That's what we're here so, for. Love right, stories. Right. 
So, I mean, it's brief. It's not, I don't <laughs> halfway remember it. But it, it was funny. It was at the time when, so dolphins, because of the tuna, people catching tuna, oh, dol- sure. dolphins yeah. would get caught in the nets, right? Yeah. And so they were basically like killing dolphins. And wow. so I, like in my family, this is a story that they tell, like, I did not eat tuna. I would not eat tuna. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a regular thing that we have in our family. I would not eat it because yeah. of that, right? And yeah. so I think that that has really... It's it's shaped me as far as like caring about the earth and like For sustainability sure. and that's the space that I work in now. Yeah. And so it's kind of and even now it's is what the stuff that I do now is just like all of the things that I love from childhood. I was a biology major oh, in wow. undergrad. I switched it to art, yeah. graphic design because my cuz I used to want to like just go study animal behavior and be one of those people in the, yeah. in the That's shows. That's what you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah. 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 Like on and the Discovery so, Channel? I could so, totally see that, by yeah. the way. So, what, so what's crazy, though, is that the advisor that I had, yeah. he was like, you're not going to be doing that. You're just going to be a teacher. Huh. And I was like, well, I don't want to be a teacher. Right. The combination with what he said and then also the class molecules and cell functions. <laughs> <laughs> About the hundred things that I can name in a cell, I was like, this is not for me. Yeah, that's quite the combination. I switched to art and graphic design. But I mean, the truth is, like, my undergrad was like in business and marketing. Like, I love interacting with people. So yeah. I think I I think I went along the right path. But did you so why graphic design and art? Like, did you always have that interest? Were you a hobby artist or? Uh, well, I will. Like, I we always kind of did things with our hands. My sure. grandfather was a painter. My sister was wow. is an amazing artist. I mean, not that she's an artist that sells her work, but she just has growing up. I always used to draw. Yeah. So I like the creative aspect of it. And then computers. So going back to technology, we had like the first Mac computer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I used to do like the pixel art on there in Mac Paint. Yeah, for sure. So I would just, you know, it's just something, you know, I thought I thought graphic design was something that I could use and could be applicable to, you know, a career, which I mean. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it it's worked is. out. Yeah, it worked out. That's for sure. Very cool. So I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. I want you to tell me what's going on. Oh, boy. What's the background of the story? This is one of the happiest um, pictures oh I've ever gosh. seen. We are so happy. It's our favorite picture. Yeah. Yes. It's a good one. What's going on here? Who is this person? What's the event? Oh, my gosh. So we are at Art and Business Council Creative okay. Exchange. Yeah. So this was not last year, but the year before is the first time that they actually had a party that was called Nash Art Bash, the party okay. before Creative Exchange, which Creative Exchange is like a day long, um, a day long conference or summit yeah. for artists, right? Talking about here in Nashville. Using, yeah, in Nashville. Very cool. Using your art as as business. But this this is a party beforehand, right? Yeah. And this person is her name is Leah Avery. Shout out. Yes. She is the queen of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually she's a game inventor. Yeah. So she oh, invented wow. a game called Hip Hop Charades. Yeah. And other games, too, that she has that she, you basically are, are playing charades, you're guessing different turns, but it's yeah. it's like for the culture, like it's about hip hop and things like that, like cool stuff. So that's very it's, cool. It's super fun. But she's she's just like a great, fun person. And 
she's my person that I'm like, hey, you want to go with me to this yeah, event? Yeah. And we go and we make such great connections and have such fun together. And it's, you know, very easy. So, yeah. yeah. And her name is Leanne? Le- Leah Avery. Leah Avery. Yes. Uh, Leah, if you're listening, would love to talk to you about your game. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Definitely looks so happy. One more here. This is a little bit more of a pro- professional setting, but still looks like a lot of fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's going on here? So this is the Fashion Takes Action Wear Conference, right? Okay. And so Fashion Takes Action is a organization it's based in Canada, but it's about sustainable fashion, right? Yeah. And it, I love this organization because they bring together so many different voices on really good topics. And this one was a panel that I was invited to speak at. Sure. It's called Storytelling with Impact. Wow. So how do you tell your sustainable fashion story yeah. with impact and make it, you know, make an impact? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And so sustainable fashion obviously is a passion of, mm-hmm. of yours. I don't think you show up to events like this if, <laughs> if it's not. But it's also such a broad topic, right? It's like the materials you use, how yeah. the fashion is put together, how it's designed, how it's distributed, supply chain. Like, is there an area within fashion that you have kind of the most, uh, that tugs at your heartstrings the most kind of kind of thing? I will say that the way that I work is more of a macro approach, right? Okay, sure. And so, and, and this is kind of, you know, we can get into a deeper conversation about that, this, but I'm really focused on how can we shift the fashion industry system, which has to do with supply chain, globally into a more sustainable, more sustainable ethical system, and really yeah. almost creating a new system that is sustainable yeah. and ethical, because the fashion industry has such like dire things when it comes to social, when it comes to environmental. But I would say if I had to hone in on an area, I typically focus on designers. Yeah. Because designers are the ones that make those choices. Where am I? What material am I going to use? Where am I going to manufacture at? How yeah. am I going to market? Like all those different things. Is the primary gap there like just education or is there some like a technical gap or? Oh, I mean, it's a system. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. So there's so many different areas that yeah. is the gap. But I will say as far as as far as so you have these large companies that are super resourced, they can do whatever they want. I think the gap, if you're talking about local, more sustainable, ethical, smaller organizations, the gap is really coming together and sharing knowledge and resources. So there's a bunch of people that are like, hey, I want to be sustainable, ethical designer. I want to source things, but they don't have the resources. They don't know where to get the resources, but then you have someone else that is like, oh, I've done it because I've, yep. I've been in this for years and I've, I chose a sustainable ethical path. So it's about connecting those two groups of people so that they can share resources. And everyone, I think, because the global issue and right. everyone's passionate about it, like everyone's willing to share that information, but it's about how do we connect those people? Yeah, no, 100%. The next one is totally unrelated. It's a tweet that you retweeted in 20. 20- 12. <laughs> I don't think you're prepared for this one. I am um, not prepared for any of this, but go on. I'll give you a hint. It's from Tim Gunn. Okay, yes. I have <laughs> so many questions about this one. I retweeted that? <laughs> 
has your stance on tights being pants changed <laughs> since 2012? It has absolutely changed. I, if I could go back, I would definitely... No, <laughs> tights uh, are <laughs> Not, this is a very controversial subject, yeah. but I think that things have evolved. And uh, no, I didn't say I agreed with him. That's fair. That's fair. That's a, that's a great I'm way to cover your tracks. I'm just people's <laughs> opinion. I mean, no, I mean, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's absolutely true. Because one of the things that I like to do is just put the message out there. I don't, you judge whether it's right or wrong. That's but fair. it's a different yeah. point of view. And so we just, we have to share different points of views. That, I totally so. agree with that. <laughs> On a more serious note, I love this one. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank, this is from 2012 too. Things that's you right. should not say, uh, I give up. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And that really summarizes, yeah. I'm willing to bet, and we're about to dive into the entrepreneur journey that you've been on, I'm willing to bet that that's, that's a theme. And you know, when, when the going gets tough, they say, right. I have a whole Phoenix tattoo on my arm. That's amazing. Like that yeah. relates <laughs> totally to that. that. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, totally understand where you're, you're coming from there. That brings us to greater than equal, right? Mm -hmm. First things first, where did the name come from? Oh boy. <laughs> so the name is actually was supposed to be a clothing company yeah. that I made this up like decades ago. Okay. Probably maybe more than that. I don't know. So Greater Than Equal is supposed to be a clothing company. And I think, you know, that was at one point I was like, you know, because I, I, you know, love fashion. I was thinking sure. creative ideals in my head. So I'm like, oh, I want to start a clothing brand. Not that I wouldn't in the future, but I think when I see it's hard because I would see so many people spending so much money on clothes. They probably don't need. Yeah. And then you see all of this other stuff in the world and you're like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Right. Yeah. And, and people are doing things in an unsustainable way. So it, it just never made sense to me to do that. But but in 2019, when I launched my company, Greater sure. Than Equal, I was like, wow, I have a name. I have a logo already. Yeah, that's cool. This is great. And I think for me, it really means that, you know, we talk about equality. Right. Yeah. But we know that it's equality is not usually enough, right? You can't right. just give everybody the same thing and people will still be, you know, unequal, yeah. really. So it's more about equity, right? And so sure. everything that we do is through an equity lens where what can we do to give people even more resources to help them get to where they need to go, right? right? So it's whatever we're doing that's beyond what we think is necessary. Yeah, and just to be clear for, for those listening who may not have heard of equity through that lens, right? Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people may think equity, they think, you know, options or stock or oh, yeah, something yeah, along those yeah. lines, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're talking about equity in the, the sense of justice, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's really cool. Is that kind of how you would define it at greater than equal? Yes. Yeah. Yes, um, and then how do you, you know, impact is another similar word. Right where it can mean so many different things to so many people, how how do you think about talk about you know impact as a as a word and as a concept? Well, I think it depends on the person or the organization. Sure. Right, because I mean, you can have an impact just by just our meeting the first time, you yeah, know, for or sure. a conversation that we have, or you can have a larger impact on a certain issue in the world, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just that it's just about shifting things, whether it's a little bit and yeah. it's planting a seed or whether it's a lot, you know? So it, 
really depends on the person and what your, you know, purpose or your passion is that yeah. you want to impact. No, 100%. And kind of related to that, I, I read a description of Greater Than Equal that said it's an international, whole person, vision-based leadership consulting and marketing agency. Mm-hmm. The thing that strikes me there is whole person. Yes. Right? <laughs> when you are working with you know, clients, creatives, et cetera, how are you thinking about them as a whole person? Like, how are you getting to that? How are you encouraging them to think about, like, hey, you're not just this identity, right? Yeah. This creative, this worker, this executive, this, et cetera. How are you kind of encouraging them to think about who they are? Yeah. So it's, it's typically like people will come and they say, oh, I have this one thing that I want to do. Can you help me with this project? Right. Yeah. But the way that I think of it, of it is that you have a long-term vision, right? You have yeah. something in your head that you want to get to. How does this project align with that? How does it align with your family life? Like you're a single mom or you're married and you have kids or, you know, or you you don't have kids, you know, or whatever that is. You know, how does this integrate and align this project integrate and align with your entire life? And how can you adjust things in this project to really help you to reach that vision, whether it's an individual or an organization, right? And how can you adjust things? How can you make this project adjust to your everyday life? Yeah. And how can you also look at what are your strengths? Sure. Like, what's your passion? And so you're not necessarily, you say, okay, this is what I want to do. But how you do it may be different than how yeah. you see someone else do it, right? Because yeah. it really has a lot to do with your own personal self. Yeah. Like yourself is has to do with self-discovery, right? And I think that's important because, you know, theoretically you could have two different people mm-hmm. doing the same job, right? Or wanting to accomplish the same thing. Mm-hmm. They both come to you for advice, consulting, strategy, alignment, et cetera. And the output could be wildly different. Right. Because they're different people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that's really insightful. And so let's rewind to twenty nineteen. Greater than equals okay. not yet oh, yeah. started. Yeah. Yeah. What was the impetus there? Like what um, happened <laughs> where it's like, okay, I'm going to start my own company. Okay. So in 2019, I left corporate, right? Okay. So I, I came here in to Nashville in 2013. Okay. Working for corporate. A veteran. Yeah. yeah we'll get to that. But <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah. Work, working for corporate. And I did before too, okay. but, but I always like, I always wanted to work for a nonprofit and social impact. Obviously sure. I always yeah. want to make more of an impact on the world. And you know, in corporate it always comes down to the bottom line. That's right. right. Yeah. And so I shifted, I went to work as a development director for a nonprofit. Okay. And then in I was 2019 in 2019 or before 2019. Okay. And so there I was in shock because I was like, wow, this is not, I, yeah. I was almost, I thought that nonprofits were going to be like people just seeing Kumbaya yeah. saving the world. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, whoa, what is happening here? Cause I'm coming from 20 plus years of experience yeah. working in corporate where there's, you know, structure and plans and strategy yeah. and stuff like that. You know, and what I found in the nonprofit space are really social impact social enterprise, whatever you want to call it, is that there's people that have so many great ideas, so many great visions that want to make an impact on the world, but they don't have the resources to do it, right? So I would go to different events 
and you know talk to different executive directors and they would sure. be like oh you're marketing what do i do with this how do i connect with these people how do i get more volunteers how do i you know come up with a strategy for this and i'm right. you know i'm sitting there talking to them like telling them the answers and and i mean it was just so many people that i'm connecting with and and helping and i was like i can kind of i could do this on right. my own yeah like, i should I get could, paid for this I could, well <laughs> I should get paid for it, but but more like I can impact so many other people and help so many other people. Uh, of course. Than just this one organization. Like yeah. my, what I have is bigger than one organization. Yeah. I could help so many different people. Got it. So by starting greater than equal, it's hey, I'm taking my role as director at this nonprofit, social yeah. enterprise, etc., and I'm I can basically multiply myself. Right. And yeah. instead of doing it for one, I can now do it for as many clients as I can take on at, at a time. Is that kind of yeah. the thinking? Yeah. 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 This that is was about, my thinking. Yeah. It's about <laughs> impact multiplication. So, but at some point the rubber meets the road, right? And you have yeah. to like put in your two week notice and say, I'm going to do this. And, yeah. you know, talk to me through that. Like, was that nerve wracking or you kind of, did you ease into it and knew that, hey, I can actually sustain myself? You know, what did that look like? Okay, you're getting to a deep conversation now. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. So to be honest with you, in, okay, so there is a glass ceiling. And I know people sure. say, no, there's yeah. not. There is, there's not. But talking to a lot of people, whether you're uh, of color, you know, sure. or you're a female or whatever else, yeah. there's sometimes you get to the executive level. And I've been at the executive level for a while with, you know, my work history. Yeah. But sometimes you get there and people don't really want you there because yeah. you know more than them or whatever yeah. that reason is, they feel uncomfortable, right? Sure. And this is a common thing, which yeah. I actually think is a great thing. And I'll say this just because now we're getting those voices and they're becoming entrepreneurs and they're doing things that, yeah. the way that they want to do it. So really, that was my situation more that I feel like I was kind of pushed out of that. Of yeah. that. So I ended up, you know, leaving. And I think I said, you know, I was like, you know, if, if this doesn't work out, I, I would I would be an entrepreneur and I would do my own thing. Yeah. And I would say, too, that I've always been interested in entrepreneurs, like and followed sure. like entrepreneurial things and whether it's meetings or whatever that is. Even when you were in the corporate world? Even when I was in the corporate world and I used yeah. to do work on the side, you know, everybody has a business that they're starting and I used to help yeah. people with businesses already. Sure. So it was kind of, but I didn't know like what that was yeah. that I was like keeping up and following like how to be an entrepreneur and stuff like that. Cause I never had any desire to, cause I work for corporate. Yeah. I have, you know, yeah. I have a 401k, I have all this, like, <laughs> why, why would I want to, you know, start my own business? But <laughs> yeah. so, so yeah, no, but then later on, it just like, it clicked. It made sense. Yeah. Like this is, this is the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I, I think it's fascinating. You know, obviously if, if someone's watching on, on video, they know this already, but we're very different people, <laughs> gender, race, et cetera, backgrounds, I'm sure. I think it's one of the fascinating things is like the, the glass ceilings that minorities often run into. Sometimes it pushes them to take that step. It does. Oh, yeah. Which is amazing, right? It's like, you know, you had the foresight to make the decision like, hey, if this doesn't work out for whatever reason, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And then the impetus, to use was, your word, right, 
was was that glass ceiling that you broke through on your own. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, and I will say that I think I I think for a few years I knew that I needed to do more, but I thought that that was I would actually went through a journey of self discovery. Like, sure. what are the things that I really like to do? And you know, yeah. if I could be doing something all day, what would it be? Like all of those things, and I I landed with getting a position at a nonprofit, but. Yeah. I honestly think that the only reason why I my next step was getting a position somewhere because I always growing up was told like you work for somebody. That's how you make money. Oh, you fascinating. work for someone. Wow. Right. Yeah. And so if I had in my mindset that entrepreneurship was an option, then I probably would have done it sooner. But I just had to kind of break wow. out of that mindset. Yeah. That's that's wild. Especially after hearing like you talked about your family briefly earlier. It's like th there's definitely a creative streak yeah. there, but that like societal context yeah. of we work for other people. We I work, work for, for other people. people. You yeah. cannot have a career as an artist. Like that's not a thriving, that's, that's not an actual yeah. career. Like you have to go and you have to attend so many years of school and then you have to get a job in a certain field. Yeah. Like that's, that's a lot of people's story. Like that's what they've been told. They have not, and, and I think that's why I'm such a, like you saw, I was at the Art and Business Council. Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah. I mean, that's one of my favorite organizations because they talk about how can you be an artist and actually make money doing it and kind yeah. of break out of that starving artist mentality, Yeah, which is so important. Yeah. It, it, it is, and, and that's amazing. And it's one of the, the reasons that I'm excited about, like, kind of where the digital world is going, mm -hmm. right? And so, you know, along those lines of Web3 and giving ownership and freedom back to artists, regardless of gender, race, identity, et cetera, how did you come across the tech, right? How did you, because I know you're a big fan of, of kind of Web3 and crypto technology. How, did, how was it introduced to you? How did you um, learn about it? I don't know. I can't, I, well, okay, so... Like I mentioned, we had like the Mac computer, we sure. had gaming systems growing up. Early 2000s, I had a teacher that advised mm -hmm. us in Second Life. Oh, wow. Yes. That's wild. So I was in Second Life and Second Life basically like is a world that you can go into and yeah. there you it has its own economy where you can make clothes and sell yeah. clothes, kind of like what they're doing now. I think it was before its time. It was. I had a, I was in, I worked in financial services for yeah. a while. And so, and I had a good friend that was into tech. And so it just kind of made sense. Like I mentioned, like thinking about the future of like currency, right? Yeah. And so it, it made sense to get into it. It made sense for the technology, even in corporate, like we were doing blockchain and AR. We were demoing AR for industry. Yeah, sure. And um, so it was, it was technologies that we all use. But now people are, now it's becoming mainstream. Yeah. You yeah. Know? So I think that's, it's like, oh, okay. And then actually getting to experience it and you see how, how this is like kind of breaking barriers. Yeah. What are some of the coolest applications that you've seen so far? Oh, I think that the, well, I don't want to say chat GPT, yeah. but no. Yeah. I, I I do, I do actually am really fascinated with AI applications. Yeah, sure. And I think AI is kind of cool because 
everyone knows what that is. Like everyone, yeah. like we saw the movie, that's right, the yeah. iRobot and all that stuff like that. So we're everyone's kind of like, oh no, you know. Yeah. But you know what it is, right? Yeah. And so it's it's kind of turning that on its head and saying, oh no, you can actually use this for yeah. something that's good. And so yeah. people are starting to understand that. I love the thought of a DAO. Yeah. Too, because it's decentralized, yeah. and and it's like, it's now it's it's giving. I feel like it's giving power to people, to groups of people to sure. make things and do things together, right? Yeah. And it's connecting people. So when someone asks you, like, okay, like you say you're excited about the DAO, that what is what is that? How would you explain? Oh. What a DAO could be to to someone. Okay, depends on who I'm talking to, but I sure. would say that a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. Autonomous yeah. means that things are happening automatically, but I I would almost just say that it's the next way that people are going to be doing business. Okay. In a yeah. Way. And yeah, I mean that's what I was saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's the next way. Just just to simplify, right? It's it's decentralized, meaning that there's not one person at the top that's telling sure. people what to do, but you're deciding as a group what that organization needs to do. Yeah. I mean, it's we can like get a... into a whole deeper conversation about this. Yeah. It's hard to say like very concisely because there's so many nuances to yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe one way to think about it is kind of like a co-op, yeah. but but digital. Like yeah. Um, yeah. it's not over, not necessarily over like, you know, when I, when I hear a co-op, I think like, Farmers, yeah, like I think vegetables, like a farmers fruit, market, yeah, exactly. Kind of whole foods, but like taking that and applying it to anything, creativity, business, etc. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of yeah in the, in the realm? So I also know, and you've mentioned it a couple of times that you're passionate about fashion and yes. and work kind of in the fashion industry. How'd that happen? Oh, so I grew up with fashion because okay. my mom was super interested in fashion. Like we yep. had. Vogue magazine on our table. Oh, wow. Watching the runway shows, everything. Yeah. She makes clothes, right? Okay. So she, you know, is always sewing our clothes. When we needed something, like, she would sew it. And so I kind of just carried that on. I mean, to me, like, fashion is art, too. So I'm always, like, really into, like, what I'm wearing. What yeah. are the different fabrics? Like, it's, it's crazy because my mom would be like, oh, that's not a quality fabric yeah. <laughs> you know, or something like that. So I can go to a store and I can feel it and yeah. tell like what fabric it is. That's crazy. Just, just doing that. And I think, you know, it's, it's just been ingrained in me yeah. throughout my life. So it's something that carried through. That, and I used to work, really cool. I used to work in like retail apparel. Okay. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. And then, so when you start learning this new tech and seeing AR, AI, Web3, etc. It's natural for you to think about like, oh, this can apply to fashion in these ways, or I'm talking to a creative in fashion and I can actually do the translation. And Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I guess that you ask yourself the right questions. How can this apply to fashion? Yeah, sure. And then you, you know, figure that out. So yeah, definitely. I can, I can do that. And then we talked about sustainability oh, yeah, and fashion sure. and tech. And so I feel like at this moment, I'm like, all of my favorite things are coming together. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. So. Have you seen any applications that combine any technology in fashion and sustainability in a really cool, cool way? Like, do you have a favorite? Oh, gosh, there's so many. Sure. I'll just tell you kind of my vision in a few different things. Yeah. But 
So for me, like I talk to a lot of designers or organizations that are in like maybe Africa, Ghana, wherever, in India. And so these are global, I mean, I'm sorry, these are organizations or people that are making goods or artisans or they're making fashion, but how do they go to market? Do they, do they go and sell to like a TJ Maxx or something like that? And they're not really getting, they're getting pennies on a dollar for what they created. Or do they, can they go to market in a way where they can reach people globally? So say, for example, I go into the metaverse and I go into this store and I'm actually able to go in virtually and I can try on their clothes. And this is a designer out of, you know, India or something like that. And I can go on and I can try on their clothes and to my measurements, right? And see how it looks on me because there is that technology. And then I can order it. Right. And it'll come to me. So I think that there's so many technologies. We we talked about try on. And and that's basically where you can use you can use AI, but you can use virtual technology to try on something that reduces returns. Right. But then also what I've been fascinated with lately is artificial intelligence in fashion. So a lot of people are using artificial intelligence to design garments. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that like would... Like from text? So I tell it what I want and it'll design something? Well, it's... it's it You kind of like... It's based on like images, right? Okay. That, that you can... You give it a lot of guidance and say like what, what mm-hmm. you want. And then it'll spit something out that is like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then you keep tweaking it and it comes up with something. So to me, like that is super cool. And to know that... I think at first I was kind of skeptical Sure. But to see people that you actually have to put a lot of input into it. And now you're designing something that looks amazing. Yeah. So there's there was a Nike there's a Nike and Tiffany, you know, yeah, Tiffany and Co., right. the yeah. jewelry company. Collaboration. NF-tiff. Yes. yes. <laughs> collaboration. And so what's crazy is that I well, if you follow me on TikTok, you'll see I reposted it, I think. <laughs> But so what's crazy is that the shoe is like, I think it looks like a air, like a black, regular black Air Force One Nike shoe sure. with a blue swoosh. Okay. It's like horrible because it's so plain, huh. right? Yeah. And so someone, I forget the name of the person, but you'll see it if you look on my TikTok. But, <laughs> but, it, but he reimagined it and he used AI to do it. Mm. And the shoes look amazing. That's cool. And it's almost like, okay, they could have done this. And yeah. they could have created the thing in real life, you know, yeah. to assist with it. Or even like companies like DressX, you design something, and I think they actually have a contest or something, where, but you design something and it's a virtual clothing, and then through their app, you can try it on, you can wear it, you can, you yeah. know, post pictures with you in this cool outfit that actually doesn't exist. That's crazy. Yeah. How far away do you think we are from that being normal? Oh, what is the tipping point? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I cannot tell, but it seems like technology is just moving at the speed of yeah. light, especially yeah. now that all of these big companies are getting on board. Yeah, the they want the it to be yeah. normal, right? Because this is a new, this is another source of of income. Yeah, for sure. You know, so this is the line item. So, so they're working hard at, which is great for other people that are doing it, you know, because they're starting to reach a tipping point. We're seeing more and more people adopt it. Let's see. I do want to predict the future because yeah. I know this is being recorded and I can go back and say, I was That's only right. five years old. Well, the cool, thing, no. the cool <laughs> thing about this is that if you're wrong, 
doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're right, though. If I'm right, though. It's so, everything. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me predict the future. I say I'm going to give it where it's, where it's normal, where it's mainstream. Yeah. Four years time. Four years. And Tops. people will be virtually trying on clothes. I mean, they're already doing Designing. They, I think that's what people don't realize. Like when I, I did yeah. an event and part of it was in the metaverse and I had to like get people to the event in the metaverse. Yeah. That's crazy. Cool. Yeah. But, um, but people, I was like, there's people already there. Like people are like, should I put my business in the metaverse? Yes. Because there's already people, there are already customers that are already there yeah. waiting for you. Right. That's crazy. So people yeah. don't realize like people do this already. What about Snapchat? Snapchat, right. you're basically doing a virtual thing. So yeah. you're already doing it. So yeah. I don't know. I might, I might move down to Three years. Three years. For it to be mainstream. Uh, okay. Maybe I'll ask a few more questions. You're like, next week. <laughs> it's, it's here now. What are you yeah. talking about? We're tipping. That's know? cool. That, that's that's amazing. And you've been you know, kind of doing Greater Than Equal for what, four years now. What's been the hardest thing that you've had to go through as a part of the Greater Than Equal journey? Oh, wow. I think that the hardest thing about having your own business is you don't realize the number of pivots and the number uh, of like, it is it is a journey of self-discovery, right? Sure. It's, it's anywhere from, I don't really want to work with this type of client. <laughs> so, so we I'll won't name names, yeah, it's fine. You know, well, no, no, it's not the client. It's yeah. just, you know, this is not, I just, so you really have to pay attention to yourself. So I'll tell you, 2019 is late 2019 that I started. Sure. 2020 in Nashville. There what was a, a year tornado. to start a business. Right. There was a tornado yeah. and it was at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Right. So I was working with, and I had, you know, a Rolodex full, not that anyone uses Rolodex. Or even knows what I'm talking <laughs> Wait, about. you mean an <laughs> actual Rolodex? <laughs> no, like a... <laughs> it's a term. It's just that you wouldn't understand. No. <laughs> if you're listening, a Rolodex is kind of like if you printed <laughs> out your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> <laughs> Do not date me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> I had a bunch of contacts who were, that were social enterprises or social impact organizations and that, you know, like I said, they, they needed help with their marketing and yeah. different things. So I, you know, had a lot of clients that were starting up, you know, projects. And when that happened, nobody was focused on doing anything extra. Like they want yeah. to help their people that they serve, right? Yeah. So everything kind of got put on hold. And so it was an opera because when I first started, it's like I'm my clients are anyone that's a nonprofit social enterprise, sure. social impact organization. And then I pivoted at mm -hmm. that point, right? Because one, I you know, I my vision is international, right? Sure. So now that everyone's like glued to their computer, I started doing more things that are international and working okay. with people internationally. So that was great because I love doing that. But then also I said, well, why not? I focus on art and fashion because those are two things that I was really passionate about doing. Sure. And then it's my background and everything. Like I really want to niche down to that. But then also I started focusing on more on events because I love doing events. Yeah, sure. So it was an opportunity to just kind of like, you know, pivot. So I guess I guess that's the thing that that you learn. Like it's okay to pivot. It's okay to like the first thing that you're gonna do is probably not gonna work. The first customer yeah. that you have is probably not gonna be your best customer. Or it might be like who knows, but just going through that journey of figuring out like okay, 
this works, this doesn't. Let me yeah. shift this, you know. Did, yeah. did you ever like I'm trying to figure out how to the best way to phrase the the question? Like, did you get did you attach who you were to that? And so every pivot hurt a little bit. It's like, do I know what I'm doing? Like the imposter syndrome type type thing? Or was it like only now looking back, you can see that that was painful? I don't know that it was. Okay. I don't know that every pivot was painful. Okay. Because doing things internationally is exciting. Doing sure. things with art and yeah. fashion is exciting. And even like I was saying, you have to pay attention to how you feel when you're working on a project and yep. the people that you're working with and really pay attention to what is that project doing? What is that? Who, who am I working with? And just lean into those things that feel good. Yeah. So in that sense, the pivot was not painful. I'm trying to remember the question, but but I think the part that was painful maybe is like not knowing. So uh, so, it, so knowing it, you need to leave what you were doing, but not always knowing where to go. I think I think in business, like for me, okay, so so business, like I I kind of think, oh, you have to, you know, just bootstrap. Sure. Right. That part yeah. I think is is painful, more painful. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's painful to bootstrap. No, I think, I think, but I never knew that there were like fellowships and there's all these grants. And uh, people so, want to give you money yeah. to start your business and you can do this and you can yeah. do that. So it's so many things that I learned along the way. And I was like, man, if I had, a, if I had known this years ago, yeah. then I would have, you know, probably done of spent a little bit more time in this area. Yeah. Or, I mean, I can't say it's, it's a process. I think everyone has to go through as far as like what you're going to niche down on or yeah. what, what you need to lean into, I think that's just a, a process. Like you're not always going to get it 100% yeah. the first time. No, 100%. Yeah. That is exactly right. Like why hasn't any of that stopped you? What do you think it is about you, greater than equal, the mission? Because a lot of people may have given up. It's like I'm bootstrapping. The money is tight. I could go get a corporate job somewhere else. I've got experience, right? Yeah. What what do you think it, it was that kept you going? I think it's I think it's your passion that keeps you going, right? Sure. And 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 actually knowing your purpose in a way, like I yeah. like I told you, like I did like a lot of self discovery, and I'm like, yeah. this is the direction that I need to head into. This is the time for this, and so. I think, you know, obviously I'm working with all these things that I'm very passionate about. I yeah. know that I have the background to do it. I've done the work to to see like, who am I? What do I believe in? Where do I need to be? So there's, you know, you're probably familiar with Simon Sinek. Sure. In his book, Find Your Why or Start With Why yeah. and going through like those exercises, you come up with like your personal mission. Yeah. And so you kind of know like this, I need to be doing something that has to do with this. Yeah. And I know I'm very visionary. I'm very like, I want to make a big impact on the world. And so I know yeah. that that's, that's just what, that's just what you have to do. Yeah. That's um, cool. I mean, some people call it stubbornness. Some people call it grit, it, just love and attachment to the passion. Like, yeah, you yeah. have to, something's going to, has to push you, you know, you yeah. have to just keep pushing through that's um, cool and and i will say too like what also kept me going was surrounding myself with the right people oh sure yeah. that are doing entrepreneurial things yeah because they have gone through the same things that you're going through yeah. listening to books that are yeah. uplifting and I, I mean like whether it's self-development or even business books 
because yeah. you're learning something that you didn't know before that you can apply to your business. So I think it's all those things, just like you have to keep feeding yourself. Yeah, this that's really cool. This positivity to keep going. And so 2013, remind me, you moved here to yeah. Nashville. And thoughts on the city? Thoughts on being here? You've been here 10 years almost. <laughs> I love it. I'm yeah. Still, I'm still here. No, it, Nashville is great, actually. I'm coming from D.C. I used to drive sure. like an hour and a half each way to work Oof. in traffic. That's um, tough. You know, cost of living, I, I can't say, you know, it's, it's pretty high here too, yeah. right? But probably not as much as D.C., depending on where you're at. But I think, you know, I have two kids, so sure. like the quality of life to me coming here is good. And people say that I came at a good time yeah. because it was not as developed as it is now. There's yeah. tons of places to eat. There's tons of things to do. So I like it. I think my only impression that was kind of negative was Nashville is very, or at least it was when I first came here, it's very sure. segregated. Yeah. Like it's very diverse, yeah. but people kind of stay in their own pockets. Yeah. And I think that now people are moving from New York and LA or wherever they're moving from and right. they're like, what, what is this? Yeah. Why don't y'all go out the house? What, what, why aren't you, why isn't people going to this establishment? So I think that that's shifting. I think it's changing, but that's awesome. yeah. Yeah. And we've met at a couple of community events at this, at this point we've yeah. interacted. Um, oh, yeah. And so when you talk about finding your people, it seems like you, you have a good group of folks around you that are entrepreneurs, startup people. Yeah, you got to go to yeah. these events and stuff that, you know, surround yourself with people that are talking about that stuff. That's, yeah. that's amazing. And so a couple of notes on, on Nashville. I'm going to ask some of your favorite spots, oh, right? Boy. So okay. you get to brag on some of your favorite businesses. The favorite spot to eat. Could be casual, could be fancy. Oh, doesn't matter. Oh, wow. Favorite spot to eat in Nashville. Oh, I'm going to say Slim and Huskies. Oh, good one. <laughs> and I think it's because you think it's just like there's a whole vibe in there, right? Yeah. And you know you're going to eat something good. And it's always the place that I like to take people to, you know, yeah. like you have to experience this. But it's just it's just kind of laid back. And it actually feels good to, like, you know, support people 100%. too. So, you know, you, you like all around you're having a great experience. Yeah. For those of you who may be in Nashville listening, Buchanan Arts District, Slim and Huskies is amazing. So you're going to throw some headphones in and go work somewhere, cup of coffee, cup of tea, something like that. Where are you headed? Where's your favorite coffee shop or tea shop or spot to work? Oh, wow. To work. Depends on the temperature outside. Okay. <laughs> but I would say Yeye's on okay. Jefferson Street. Yeah. It's, it's close. So I like, you know, it's close, it's easy, and I know I'm going to see someone there that I can connect with and do some business with. So yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. All right, so you, you've at this point we've had a, a meal at Slim and Huskies. You've gotten some work done at Yayas. Yeah. After hours, where are you going? It's favorite spot for drinks to hang out. Oh, favorite spot for drinks to hang out. So it depends. Because what I would I would probably go to multiple places, so I'm always going to okay. be at the art opening, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so that might be at like say gallery. You know, Clarence always has these really cool art events and openings. So typically, I'll meet people around there, and you know, and then maybe afterwards we'll go out. So where are you going out after? Afterwards, I know I'm guaranteed to have a great time. EGMC. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Because I know that the drinks are going to be good. They, they always have some food, yeah. right? So, yeah, and the vibe there is great. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, my next question was going to be the best spot for creatives, but I think you probably answered that with the art galleries, the plants, and yeah. et cetera. So last question is, say I'm an out-of-towner. Towner. I'm coming in for a weekend. Of yeah. course, I'm going to do the party bus, Broadway, music <laughs> scene. don't do that, but uh, okay. <laughs> if you must, everybody has to do it. Go Just ahead do it once. It it's like I might Times... not be with you, but yeah, exactly. Go ahead and do it, yeah. It's like Times Square, New York. Yeah. Like, go see it and then ignore it. But what's the hidden gem that you want to point someone to here in Nashville? Like, look, if you're only here for three days, uh-huh. you got to check out X. Oh, gosh. That I didn't name because I usually am like, oh, you got to go to Slimming Huskies. Sure. Um, yeah. If there's, if Clarence is having an event. Okay. Yeah. Then whether it's, you know, he has, so it's Clarence Edwards that I'm talking to. Sure. Just Google it, everyone. But, but, no, but, but he usually might have like some event that's associated with what he's doing. So it might be art gallery, might be an after hours event. Yeah. Something like that. I would say definitely check that out. And what else do people, I think, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think it's a good one. And Nashville is so, like, it really depends on what weekend you go. Yeah. Because it's, a lot of times there's these one-off things that are happening. There's an event tonight. It's called Nashville's. Yeah. (laughs) It's at Brooklyn Bowl, and that happens once a month. Okay, So if you're coming on the right weekend... Then I yeah. can probably tell you where to go, but yeah. it's no, got to be the right weekend. That, that's a totally natural yeah. thing, too. Very cool. So, what you know, last piece here, what would you say to someone who's listening right now? And maybe they're a person of color, maybe they're a woman, maybe they've hit that glass ceiling, they've been thinking about starting their own thing, mm-hmm. they can't quite get over the edge yet, or maybe they're starting to lean over the edge of starting their own thing, and, and they're just wanting some encouragement, advice, et cetera. What would you tell that person? I would tell them to take a leap of faith. Yeah. (laughs) I would. And I think I would tell them to, you know, it's something that don't, don't spend years and years of your life thinking about what you could have done or what you should have done. It's amazing. Like your, if you start now, your life is going to be so much better. Like start to build it now. Cause like I said, it's a process. So you're not going to be perfect right away, but you'll eventually get to it. And then, like I said, surround yourself with people that are encouraging because your family may not be, your friends may not be, but there's, there's people, there's entrepreneurs that are doing similar things that will be encouraging to yeah. you. So surround yourself with those people. Don't be afraid to go get resources, whether it's a local entrepreneur center, SBA, whatever it is. You know, yeah. there's resources out there that will help you, whether it's grant, whether it's, you know, just, I mean, there's so many tools out there. Like, don't yeah. think that you are alone yeah. in the journey. That's um, amazing, amazing words from Camila. So time to shamelessly plug what's going on in your life. Where can people find out more about you, about greater than equal? You know, where can people learn more? Yeah. So, okay. So, you know, I am super into fashion, sustainable fashion. I want to, I want us to create a new system. I want to connect people in sustainable fashion to resources to be more ethical and sustainable. So through Greater Than Equal, we're launching an initiative it's called Fashion Futurist. Oh. So it's really a community of people, but we'll have YouTube, we'll have that will help brands to get resources, get connected. And then also a podcast that's talking about innovative things that people yeah. are doing, help you get connected there. And there's a whole roadmap. You can look at that on the website, but that's awesome. the website for that is 
fashionfuturist.io. Very cool. And then you can also go to greaterthanequal.com, which is greater than equal website. And then my website is camillasanders.com, which you can see all the things that I do because we didn't even get into the side projects, but I'm talking a lot on panels and just volunteering at different initiatives and things like that. So you can catch me there. That's amazing. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to get you a, a bunch for fashion futures as well, a, a community. Uh, very cool. Well, thanks again for the time and have a great rest of your day, everyone. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Derek again. If you enjoyed the conversation, do us a favor by both subscribing and sharing Start Something with your friends. Thanks a ton for listening. Talk to you again soon. And until then, we love you bunches.